you are going to burn a goose. But a hundred years from now, unless I'm convinced by scripture and plain reason, my conscience is captive to the word of God. You have a swan. I cannot and I will not recant anything. For to go against conscience would be neither right nor safe. Which you can neither roast nor boil. God help me. Here I stand. I can do no other. On a day like this, 506 years ago, God granted a German monk a deep thirst for answers on Christian teaching and practice, a hunger whose answer was in what is termed the Protestant Reformation. We look back to recall the story of the Reformation by visiting two notable men that were part of the foundations in the pre-Reformation. Welcome to All Things Reformed Podcast. This is our first. My name is Z Chunga and my co-host. Confix Makalira. We get to meet for the first time on this podcast. Yes, and, nice uh, meeting you, Z. Nice to meet you, Confix. <laughs> I know Confix will introduce himself in better detail shortly. I am married to my beloved wife, Nia, and we together have three children, two daughters and a son. Wani is 10, Nipa is 7, and Zani is 3. My vocation is development communication, and I go to Christ Presbyterian Church, where Confex is pastor. The pressure of introduction is on you, brother. Yeah, and you can add uh, a good Christian who loves the Lord. That's why you're doing this podcast. <laughs> amen and amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, thanks, Z, for that. Yeah, um, my name is Confex Makalira. I'm a pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church, where Z comes uh, as a member. He's a good member there. That's why I was saying he's a good Christian. He loves the Lord. That's why he has even set aside time that we can do this podcast and for that I'm very thankful. Uh, I am married to my wife, my wonderful wife Mai, and the Lord has blessed us with two girls, Evangeline and Eliana. Evangeline turned nine last right. week on the 27th, uh, but Eliana will be turning seven on November 30th this oh. year. So uh, I've been blessed to have these girls in our home. As I've already said, I'm a pastor, so that's the that I do mainly and I love the word. Uh, I love to share the Christian faith. That's one of the reasons why we have this podcast. All things reformed. Yes. What are we talking about? Yeah, so all things reformed as the name suggests, you can rightly tell that this uh, program, this podcast is about the reformed faith. And really as we are looking at the reformed faith, we are looking at two groups of people. Uh, the first group are those uh, who are reformed already and we're just here to help them understand the Reformed faith better, grounding them in the word. Um, Peter tells us that we should be ready to give an explanation why we believe the things we believe. And I believe that uh, through this program we can help some uh, Reformed believers to give an explanation of why we believe some things we believe. But also we know we have friends and other brothers and sisters who are not Reformed, but we'd like to explore more about the Reformed faith. What is this Reformed faith all about? Why do they do these things or how do they do these things? Uh, I believe that we can provide that explanation through this podcast. So that's what we're trying to do. We need to locate uh, a, a, a historical starting point. Yes. In Wittenberg in Germany, 1517, yes. uh, history records a German monk that is walking to a castle church. Mm -hmm. 
with uh, a pamphlet in, in his hands. Mm-hmm. He walks and he pins 95 theses. Yes, he nails it on the door of the castle. Uh, nails castle. it there, mm-hmm. nails it on, on, on the door. This man's name was? Martin Luther, uh, a good name to give your <laughs> child if you have a son or if you are going to have a son. Martin Luther. Yes, Martin Luther. Yes. Um, and don't confuse this with Martin Luther King because there's Martin Luther King, uh, the civil rights um, activist, activist in the U.S. Right. Actually, he got his name. Actually, his father, uh, when he went to Germany, heard about Martin Luther and then he returned to the U.S. and named his son Martin Luther King because he was king. But no, we are talking about Martin Luther in 1517. Right. Uh, and actually, it was on the 31st of October, a day like this one, yes, um, that he nailed the 95 Thesis there. And really what he was doing was not to cause confusion. There were things that he saw in the church. He was troubled and said, these things are not biblical. These things are not right. We need to discuss these things as a church. And really, that was the goal why he nailed that, to say, let's come and reason together and see if these things that are happening in the church are biblically correct and right. Let's cut off there yes. and let's let's look a little backwards. Mm-hmm. What was the build up to uh, to 1517 protestation of Martin Luther. Yes. No, you have a good point. Again, uh, when we are talking about the Protestant Reformation, which is the, like the beginning of the Reformed faith, we cannot just look uh, at Martin Luther. We, we go beyond Martin Luther because, right. because, again, there are people who had the same concern that Luther had. And like he, he was not new to, he was not the first person to come up with these things. So, I mean, there are a lot. Uh, there are some people that we don't even know. But at least, going back before Martin Luther, at least there are two men uh, that are very key that we should consider. First is um, another priest and a, and a pastor and a lecturer or a professor at Oxford University by the name of John Wycliffe. He was, so you know, at this time, uh, the church has so much influence. Most of the things that are happening in the society, they are connected to the church. So Oxford is connected to the church. So they are for sure, they, they are teaching theology as well as other faculties. They are there. And Wycliffe was a priest, a Roman Catholic priest, uh, who had been assigned to teach because he was a scorer. And so he was teaching at Oxford University. And there, while there, he began questioning some things, that he would study the Bible, and then he would look at his church and say, well, these things that are happening in the church are not right, are not correct. The Bible is against these things. So one of the major things that he had uh, problems with was corruption. Hmm. The church was very corrupt. There was abuse of resources uh, in the church, and he spoke strongly against this. That sounds familiar. Oh, yeah, familiar. I mean, again, like, you know, one of the things in the Reformation was that the church always reforming according to God's word. Mm. So the battle never ended at that time. And I, and I know there is a term, ecclesia reformata. Yes. Ecclesia for church yes. and reformata for reformation. You, you know your reformation <laughs> and you're using scholarly language of the and, reformation. And, 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 and I think beyond that, uh, there was a term, another term, uh, semper reformanda, that the church is always yes. reforming. Mm-hmm. So these are not things that just happened in 1517. These are struggles we have in, even in the church today. Today. And actually we are called upon to reform 
reform, to continue the work of reformation. And if the Lord uh, tarries, uh, there will be others who will continue the work of reformation. So it's not just us. It's not just John Wycliffe and Martin Luther. The church is called to constantly be reforming. Mm -hmm. But the key word is according to God's word. Because sometimes you can reform and not according to God's word. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have a bad reformation. But a good reformation is the one that is according to God's word. John Wycliffe. Yes, yeah, so we go back to John Wycliffe. So yeah, he speaks against the corruption that is going on in the church. And another thing that was bothering him was that the priests and the pastors at this time, they are not faithfully preaching the gospel. And he really said, the way the pastors are ministering right now, a person sitting in the pew cannot understand how he can get saved. There is no clear presentation of the gospel. So he spoke strongly against the priests and their preaching, which was not gospel-centered. And he said that the church should return to preaching the gospel. And also he argued that the Bible should have a fine authority, and the Bible is very essential for every Christian, so the Bible should be translated in the common language. So at this time, what is happening... The what, what, what language was the Bible at this time? So yes, so at this time, the Bible was in the language of the scholars which was Latin. And, you know, in England, they speak English. Uh, most people will not know Latin there. And he's saying, no, we need to translate the Bible into English so that uh, ordinary folks, those who have not gone to school to study Latin, can read the Bible in their own language. So how are congregants or members of the Catholic Church uh, able to read the Bible if it's in Latin and then they are English? Yeah, that's a good question, actually. So the Roman Catholic Church, at this point believes that it's not good, it's not wise for a mere member of the church to have the Bible. The concern of the Roman Catholic Church at this point is that, well, if we just give the Bible to another person, they will not interpret it rightly. They will end up with all kinds of heresies and confusion and all that. So they said, no, we're not going to give the Bible to an ordinary man. We're going to keep the Bible only for scholars. The scholars read the Bible and then interpret it for an ordinary man. Now, actually, so it was a valid point. I don't agree with it, but it is a valid point because you see that once Reformation comes on the stage, there are all kinds of churches that are born, some even cows that are not even preaching the gospel faithfully. This is what the Roman Catholic had said. Yeah, well, this will happen. He's not just saying, let's translate it into English. After we've done that, let's give it to an ordinary man. Right. He should read it. Right. And the Roman Catholic is not happy with that. But anyway, so he speaks against that. And now these are serious things to speak in the church at this point. And eventually, John Wycliffe will end up being expelled from the church. And being expelled from the church also means that he loses his job as a professor at Oxford University. So he leaves there, and uh, he has already planted the seeds. There are people who are following him. They are going to be called the Lowlands, and they will continue the work of John Wycliffe. They translate the Bible into English and other languages of Europe, and they continue uh, giving out the Bibles in the local languages across Europe. And Wycliffe is going to die a natural death, mm. uh, because the church at this point does not consider putting to death. Okay. But in the later years coming, people who oppose the church will end up dying, uh, being burnt at stake. So that's uh, John Wycliffe. Right. We take, uh, we jump to another character, to another name yes. uh, in the pre-reformation. Yes, another John. Right. Uh, but this one is pronounced as John. Okay. Jan Haas. Mm -hmm. uh, from uh, that, that day, it was called Bohemia, and mm -hmm. right now it's called Czech Republic. Right. Now, John or Jan Haas has heard about Wycliffe, and uh, he has read some of his writings. He's being influenced by John Wycliffe indirectly. Mm -hmm. 
And also, he begins as well speaking against things in the church, in his own country, in Czech Republic. And he speaks on a number of things, and of course, this includes um, the worth of the clergy. The church is very rich. Actually, most of the land in Czech Republic is owned by the church. And he speaks so strongly against that, because local people don't have land. Uh, the pastors are so rich to own the land at the expense of poor people. But also, he... He, like uh, John Wycliffe, argues that the Bible should be in a common language. Mm -hmm. So it should be translated in a language that people can read for themselves and understand for themselves. Mm -hmm. But also he attacks the Pope by saying that the Pope, by claiming that he has authority, fine authority in the church, is wrong. God's word should have a fine authority in the church. So the Bible is the final Authority, and then that's that's not a small challenge. Oh, challenging yeah. the Pope. Yeah, yeah. So the Pope has all the powers. He has the final say in the church, and you are really attacking at the heart of the church mm -hmm. by attacking the Pope. So he begins to preach as well, and also he's concerned with the gospel. The gospel is not faithfully preached, and he would like to see that the gospel is being faithfully preached, and the people are coming to embrace the gospel. Pastor Confex, tell me uh, in a few words, yeah. how does Preaching an unfaithful gospel look like in this in this context. Oh yes. What was being preached for you to say this was unfaithful? That's that's, that's a good question. Uh, so actually, uh, pastors are not working on their sermons. So the Rome is developing sermons and sending them <laughs> to pastors to preach. And a pastor he has not worked on this sermon. He has just given a manuscript to read. He is not reading it wholeheartedly. He doesn't even maybe understand what he's reading. So you can imagine. Mm. But also at this time, there is little value to the preaching of the word. In some cases, it is said that people just gather and have a drama group act in front of them. Say, well, today we are gathering. We are not going to have a sermon. We have a drama group. They act, they play, all that. That's what is happening. To the point that uh, later on we are going to talk about Ulrich Zwingli, but in 1519, 1st January 1519, when he says, no, beginning from today, I'll preach from the Bible. People are amazed. Actually, they go home and say, can you believe it? Zwingli is preaching from the Bible. And the following Sunday, so many people gather to hear Zwingli preaching from the Bible. So things that we take for granted. Mm -hmm. But this is what is happening. And these brothers, John, John Haas and John Wycliffe, are concerned with that. Say, there is no faithful preaching of the gospel. So how does it end for John Haas? Yeah, well, John Haas, again, so another thing that he, uh, he attacked later on, we're going to see at Madeline Luther as well, was indulgences, mm -hmm. the tokens that were being sold. We're going to discuss more about that when we come to Luther. He also speaks against that. Mm -hmm. And again, the Roman Catholic Church doesn't take that so lightly. Here is the person who is attacking the church. So he's summoned to the council called uh, the Council of Constantine. And when he goes there, uh, they ask him, to denounce or recant what he has been speaking against the church. And Haas says, no, I'm convinced these things that I've spoken against the church are not right, and the Bible is very clear that we are doing wrong. I will not recant. And they say, well, okay, because you are refusing to recant, there is a punishment for you. And the punishment is that you're going to be sentenced to death by burning. So they burn him at stake. Now, there is an interesting story. Now, uh, mm -hmm. church historians do not always agree. Some say, well, we don't think this is uh, real. This is, this is true. It, it really happened. But it is said that when, when they were about to burn him at stake, John Haas says this. 
you are going to burn a goose. By the way, has means a goose in his language. Okay. You are going to burn a goose. But a hundred years from now, you will have a swan which you can neither roast nor boil. And by this, he's referring to Martin Luther, who come 100 years after him, that they will not be able to stop him as they have stopped Jan Haas. Wow. And with that, he dies. This also is where we leave it for today. Please email us your thoughts about the program and any questions you may have. You can email us on atreformed at gmail.com atreformed, one word, at gmail.com You can also inbox us on all things Reformed Podcast page on Facebook. <laughs>